Hey there, everyone. We are excited to kind of complete our Permaculture Zones series with this episode. If you haven't listened to the first two or three, two, how many have we done so far? Like three. Yeah, something like that. Zones zero, one, and two so far we've done, and they've been amazing. I hope you have listened and gotten some really good ideas from your property. We've, we know they're amazing because we've gotten some really great feedback. Um, but this week we're going to talk about not just one zone and not just two zones, but three whole zones, which, you know, I hope you leave ramped up to get these zones in order or not in order because some of them require nothing. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Uh, Let's get started. We'll start right at zone three, which let us remind you, zone zero, one, and two, we're speaking out in like concentric circles from your main living facility on your property. So you really want to think about it. it doesn't have to be circles. It doesn't have to be anything kind of geometric, really. In fact, I prefer if it's not. But you do want to think in terms of how quickly you get to your door, how how much traffic. So the further the number, the higher the number, the less time you naturally automatically spend in those zones. So zero, you're there all the time. And I was reading in Bill Mollison's book, which he's kind of like the creator of Permaculture, people will argue. The Godfather. People will, uh, you know, some permies might argue, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, You're not here to argue right now. The he was saying in his zone definitions that you generally really want to start with your first zone and then work outwards, Mm. which I thought was an interesting idea of kind of like master that zone before you move on to the next zone. So start with your zone zero, then your zone one, and like don't develop the other zones until you've developed that zone, Mm -hmm. which is difficult for me because like it, it means like you can't get animals right away or that you shouldn't, which I don't like people telling me that I can't do that, but I think that is really a good rule. Oh, you really shouldn't do anything at first. You should just observe. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole permaculture rule of like one year of doing nothing, but then when you do start developing. When you do, yeah, make moves. Yeah. I think that if you're if you're observing for a year, some things will fall into place during that time without your effort. You know, it's like you have to go out your door. So you're going to like blaze a trail or a path in a certain direction. And you might enjoy one piece of your property. So you might make a path that way. It's kind of like, is it um, Waldo Emerson? And he he really, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he he. I can't remember. I remember hearing this when I was a kid. I shouldn't have said anything because I don't know it that well. But he went out to live in his utopia. And when he um, realized he was making paths, he got really frustrated <laughs> because he was like, I'm trying to live outside of a system, outside of this, you know, kind of customary way of doing things in nature, all natural. And he he noticed very quickly that he was developing these very specific paths in his on so his, in like his patterns or routines yeah. when he didn't want any when he didn't yeah he was specifically trying really not to, to have them yeah. yeah anyways um was it walden pond right no i can't remember now i should stop talking but point being i think that we have a natural tendency and you'll notice this with animals too obviously like if you see cow paths in a pasture i mean they're taking the most 
efficient way to get from point A to point B, um, whether that's the water to the feed to the barn, whatever it might be. Um, and we have those same systems. And I think one of the things about permaculture is we get to decide what are the places we're going to. In part, we get to make that decision. And then we also have an awareness about what those rhythms, what those patterns look like, and then take advantage of them. And also where we are going, like we can determine where those places are. Like in a well-designed system, we can say like the animals are going to be here or Mm -hmm. the water is going to be there. Right. I think we do have a tendency of like stepping into somebody else's design and then trying to make it fit us. Right. I mean, I feel like that's a that's a really big metaphor for our entirety, like a human being. But in this specific example, like we walk, we buy a house that somebody else built. We we buy a property where they already have barns. They already have chicken coops. They might already have, you know, planted trees and all of these things. And we kind of modify our behavior to meet those things. And instead, why not change those things to fit our behaviors? Yeah. I mean, oftentimes it's very expensive. Like if you're going <laughs> to change a house, that, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, would, that would be uh, costly. But I, I like yeah. the idea. Yeah. Of it. But most people change their houses to some degree or another. Sure. Yeah. But I think, too, like this is like the advantage of people who haven't moved into a property. They can think about that before they buy something else, because there's a chance you could find the perfect house that yeah. has the things you want. Right. But you have to be aware that you're looking for something super specific when you. When and that you comes do. into the whole like design and planning part. I mean, it's what I'm excited about with like our homestead mastermind people mm-hmm. is we get to help them like create this design and well, plan. And that, yeah, that's the good news is that we're not so stuck in a pattern that we can't change no matter what the situation is that we can't have some impact on how we interact with it. Like there's always room for improvement and there's always this hope of shifting into a better method. It's the, the hope of change, the hope of, of improvement for our own selves. And I think that we have to just remember to be open to that because like I said, you know, you just fall into these habits that form our days instead of us making, taking charge of those things and maybe making it even more effective or, or joyful or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So with all of that said, (laughs) moving on past zone two, Mm -hmm. we get out to zone three, which Mm -hmm. like, I think if like, I like to envision somebody out there who's listening has like, is working on these zones. Wouldn't it be fun if you were like, okay, I'm done with zone two and now I'm ready to learn about zone three. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn the zone three podcast episode. And that's like, Once you've gotten to this place, your zone zero, one, and two should just be kind of humming along, Mm. which is a a fun thing. Humming along. So people should likely not listen to the three of the, or the four of these episodes in a row because they're too busy and they need to come back like years out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I will say too. It's like a stop here until until. next season when you have (laughs) finished zone two. I'm going to say, though, I don't necessarily agree with the idea of doing that because there are some things in zone three that you should plant first thing. I mean, because you're it's it's like that return on investment. If you plant a tree and then it has three or four or seven more years because you planted it first thing, mm, yeah. you're, you're it's paying off in dividends. Unless in you the- plant that tree in a spot that doesn't meet your zone one and two design. Right. And you're 
got it way out there in zone three and it's like now you've got to decide are you going to dig it up and replant it and Mm. sacrifice like a transplant shock Mm -hmm. or should you have just waited to make sure you got in the right spot because you can't plant perennials in zone one and two it's not like you're not planting any perennials there yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) you can plant in zone three if you want to i know so (laughs) lacy's permaculture (laughs) so zone three is your we're getting into your more of wild like if you kind of picture i think the border between zone two and zone three is like where things start to become more wild more like uh nature natural design versus like intensive design Mm. and that's where you're gonna have like full-size trees in um orchards that you prune maybe once a year that you harvest once a year that kind of thing maybe not so much your fruiting trees as like your nut trees and your um, your trees that take much longer to really gain ground. Um, and, you know, the slow growers, the ones that aren't as susceptible to deer eating them off and killing them all. You know, I mean, I think you're thinking more about like this is almost like you're creating a wildlife habitat from which you'll be able to reap some harvests. Yeah, potentially I, in the future. I would say that's almost more zone four, though. You think? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, these zones are a little blurry. Yeah, so, I mean, (laughs) I think that they can be, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think zone three is kind of like that last bit of managed um, Okay, so that would be the difference for me. If I think about a zone four, it would be less nut trees and more harvesting trees. Like, if you wanted to grow. Timber. Yeah, exactly. Timber, black locust, things like that, that you're going to get established so that you have wood or you yeah. know, whatever material you might need to build things or burn or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's interesting. So moving into zone four, uh, Toby Hemingway says that that's where your pastured animals go. Which, into zone four. Yeah, which I really struggle with because I feel like on our homestead, the They're pastured right animals the are in zone <laughs> zero, one, two, three, four, like <laughs> everywhere. Zero, but yeah, all but yeah, zero. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I think traditionally you tend to, you know, move your animals out away from the home. You put a barn out, you know. So there's an element of that's really nice to have away from the house. But there is an element of it's really nice to have near the house, too, because that interaction and that, like, you know, not moving manure back and forth because it's just right there, right? Yeah, and I wonder if that's kind of like more less of a regenerative, holistic view on Mm -hmm. animal management. You know, like mm. I might take issue with that because like that's yeah. almost a design that's dependent on like a central location of a barn and a watering system right. rather than like moving your animals across a landscape. Right. And our system is not like the animals are here once and for all. They are they're here and then they're gone. Right. Like that's just how ours operate. And it might be really difficult to envision that. Before you know, oh, people are using a lot of mobile fences or whatnot. And I'm not sure when Guy's Garden was published. It wasn't that long ago, but um, I think the movement in the in the like electrical fences moving and all of that has become such a thing in the last really 10 years. Sure. Um, it's far more popular, I think, than it was, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. So maybe it just wasn't on its radar as yeah. much. But yeah. anyway, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a like space for animals in zones two through 
four. So that's um so four we get into animals, nut trees, firewood, um bamboo goes in three mm-hmm. and four. And then the zone that is kind of like the end of the zones, mm-hmm. which I feel like there should never really be an it's end like to the, the galaxies. Zones, they never right? end. Yeah, it should be infinite. But um zone five, which is the not managed zone. Mm-hmm. So um Bill Mollison and Toby, which kind of makes sense, both say that zone five is the zone that you should have that you don't manage at all. That's completely wild. And you use it as a learning tool to help influence all your other zones. So you're watching what nature does and learning from nature and um, then working to replicate those lessons throughout the rest of your homestead. I think that you can ha- you cannot have a zone five. Because I think your zone five could be so wild that you don't even own it. You know, like it's the neighborhood, like reserve, preserve, whatever you call it, like a natural park in the area that you go to to observe what's happening, agriculturally speaking. And, you know, looking at your flora, looking at your fauna, how are they interacting with that there? Because, I mean, if you have a homestead, you don't always have five. Well, he says like in an urban setup, you could have like uh, one square meter. Uh-huh. Like in the corner of a property. Oh, I think that's amazing. Actually, I think like if you're okay. mowing anything, stop mowing it. If you have, yeah. you know, maybe take one garden bed out and just see what transpires. So that's not going to be like a fully wild. It's still under management. So like I think about well, our. Just don't do anything. I kind of think of it like the Shemitah year, you know, like yeah. don't do anything to it and just see what happens. Okay. So like in our property, we have some areas that we are much, we use much less. We're trying to get it into like a silvopasture state for for cattle to graze on. But at this moment, it's pretty wild. I mean, definitely there's been human activity there for the last, you know, 50 years on yeah. some level. But what I think is interesting about that property is we see very quickly compared to where we're, you know, more in cultivation mode, there's what pops up first. What are those pioneering crops? What are the invasives that are popping up that we're like, oh, shoot, there's multiple rows everywhere and there's, um what are the other ones that we have the autumn olive and the you know your favorite tree of heaven tree of heaven (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so we can kind of observe and see how those things try to infiltrate and then also see how does that play out over time um and a lot of those things i think are really important and valuable for us to know you know one of the first things that we did when we planted our orchard we got our permaculture certification and we learned that trees like redbud and Um, Anything with a pod are nitrogen fixers, which is fascinating and really helpful because those things can add a lot of nutrients to your soil and help draw that in for your your plants. And you can do this companion planting situation where you plant something that taps into that nitrogen and brings it in so that the plant next door can use it. Well, so in our orchard, we, we, we we went somewhere random that was not far away and we saw this tree that had pods on it. And we thought, ah, this has got to be a nitrogen fixer. It's got pods. So we took a cutting of that tree and we brought it home and we stuck it in the ground and it is a catalpa tree, which isn't necessarily a bad tree, but it is, I've come to find out not a nitrogen fixer. I still don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no one has proven that to me. However, I brought it up at a a herbal conference and said, Oh, look at that giant catalpa tree is so beautiful. And how cool that it's also like a nitrogen fixing, fixing option. And the person specifically turned to me and said, no, it's not. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're like a lot of uh, you would think that because it has the pods but it's some kind of chinese tree and it does not have that feature so dang chinese trees <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway i mean you know like i don't remember the point of what i was saying oh but just like observing those local those things that are growing um how they interact and kind of becoming more familiar so you can use them in your landscape as you go i mean there's no person at any nursery who is going to come up with the perfect plan for you and your homestead you have to come up with that perfect plan and the only way you can do that is to continue to experience and to try new things and to look and observe and really you know get familiar and learn the things that oh these have the qualities of what i want and what i'm drawn to and so i need to incorporate that yeah anyway no i think that's great i think that's like a a good point to like stop on is and we're done already. Yeah, that, that's it. Zone five is let it go wild. That's like where the magic happens. You don't. Yeah, five. learn from zone five. Observe nature, and apply it to your homestead. Yeah. And if that's something that you need help with, you can go to theschoolhouselife.com and click on the audit, and Lacey and I will come out to your property and help you design that and come up with that. And you know, under your particular needs your particular holistic context mm. it's something that we love doing um we and, do have a virtual option and we do have a virtual option if you're you out of town far and yeah. you just want to hop on the zoom and talk about it but thanks for listening and um we will be diving into more permaculture in the coming podcast oh i do have some exciting news i want to announce uh, we actually have decided that we're going to be at the homesteaders of america conference we're gonna have a booth there and meeting people and chatting and talking and hopefully just getting inspired um but as a result of that we actually get tickets to give away so be sure you're connecting with us on social media through the podcast and our email so that you can check out how it might be a potential to get some tickets for free and if you're planning to go let us know so we can be sure to meet up